Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara, virtually still uh, and actually pre-recording this week. Uh, the, the real coach Justin is, uh, is on the soccer field as we speak. So, uh, Mike, are you with us? Yes. I know you with the, us. I can actually the, the real Mike is sitting by standing by ready to go here. <laughs> All right. I can actually see you this time around. Let's uh This means I can sleep late Saturday morning or something like that, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah if you don't have any right. soccer to get to, you could sleep late. Yeah, or I might go fishing early. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So um, today uh, we're going to we're going to do a continuation of these shows that we've been doing. Uh, we, we you know we've been doing our planning through the ages uh, series here, and, and we've gone through some planning in the last bunch of shows. On uh, you know we started out with the younger folks. Uh, we did we did twenty uh, five year olds, and then we did forty five year olds, and, and we're on to sixty five year olds this this time around. I think I'd like to do to, you know take a slightly different tact and different approach to this right because we we have done a bunch of planning and we've you know we've we've talked clients through the inputs that we make and and uh how the decisions that you make uh, affect various retirement outcomes and this time around you know I, I we've been doing some i've been doing some you know some ce credit work and uh, you know taking a bunch of webinars and doing a bunch of reading and one of the things that sort of that's that's come up was specific to uh, retirement inputs. And, you know, the, the, I think the show that I 
like to run here is, um, you know, why are my inputs so so conservative, or uh, you know, why why is my you know why, what what is my advisor maybe getting wrong as far as the inputs into uh, into the software, and and you know th- this comes up because in general throughout our business, and you know this I think this applies to us to varying degrees, but the financial planning industry I would say is pretty conservative when it comes to retirement planning. W- would you agree with that? Well, I only know three other financial planners rather well, so but generally I'd agree with that. <laughs> but you yeah. read well, you read a lot, don't you? I, I, I do. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, most financial planners would assume that you're going to live to about a hundred, and uh, that means you might have to work a little longer than uh, uh, than planned if you actually did, sort of a thing. But most people don't. So yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. If you're talking about the when you say inputs, let's speak English. You're talking about, Sorry about that. assumptions people are going to make. About about things in their lives going forward in retirement. So kind of assumptions or guesses about what, you know, what are we planning? we got to put some inputs, their guesses, and they can be conservative or they can be aggressive. And we can touch on a whole bunch of them, I'm sure, during the show. So, yeah. That's um, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, when I, when I say inputs, you're right. That wasn't exactly English. That's, that's that was, too technical, Justin, you know, slow down. This is the radio. The assumptions that we make when running financial plans uh, with clients. So, you know, just a few, you know, quick examples, inflation, uh, the rate of return on your investments, how long you're going to live. Um, you know, th- those are probably the, uh, the big ones, how much you're going to spend, et cetera. Right. So, you know, those are the kind of things that we're talking and, you know, I, I don't think that it's, um, you know, I think we have good reasons why we, as an industry, are uh, are on the conservative side, right? I mean, obviously, we're you know we're worried about folks running out of money. If you run out of money in retirement, it's it's it can be a fairly devastating event, uh, and uh, you know us as planners don't want to you know don't, don't want to shepherd someone in that direction. Um, but you know, on the other side, you know, j- just by way of example, right? So I'll, I'll regularly read an article where. The, you know, the, it's it's about some it's about some financial planning topic, some retirement planning topic, and oftentimes the plan will run out to age 100, right? So the retirement plan runs to age 100, and and I should have looked this up prior to the show, but you know the the statistics on how many folks actually make it to age 100, I think are you know I I think there really aren't that many of those folks out there. Certainly, it does happen, and and I know you know in in sort of absolute numbers, there's probably plenty of uh, of what are they called centenarians, uh, but you know most of us as financial planners aren't going to be you know taking people through to age 100 because that's just not a, a, a terribly common age to live to, uh, and so you know should you really be doing planning? to age 100 for everybody right and i and i think i think that's sort of the question that i'd like to that i'd like to ask for people and and you know going back to the format that we've been using i think what you know what i'd like to do is sort of is is run some projections you know, sort of based on very, very conservative models, right? So let, let's let's run those conservative sort of financial planner models. And then what we can do is we can change some of our inputs later on in the show. And we can say, all right, well, you know, what if we didn't use 100? What if we use just actual life expectancy for the average person and, you know, and, and, and run that as our retirement time horizon? And, and what changes, right? What changes as far as how much you can spend, as far as when you can retire, Um and, uh, and you know how much you could spend in retirement, right? Yeah, I mean, in in real life, if 
if you plan that one of a, a couple lived to 100 and, and the, that one only lived to 90, maybe you could have had a lot more fun before you died sort of a thing. Or maybe you didn't want to leave your kids as much money as, you, as that given the circumstances. So we get we get people from both sides of the spectrum, folks. But yeah, it's a, if you're too conservative, maybe you could have spent more money. If you're too aggressive, maybe you run out of money. So these are things that are pretty important when you start making guesses. By the way, Justin, one other, and I'm sure you're going to get to it, but one other uh, assumption is what am I happy with for a probability of success score? We call it Monte Carlo in our yeah, world. You you know. Yeah, so we won't touch upon that. You know, we most financial planning software has some pretty sophisticated underlying software that can make some pretty good guesses about your chances of success in retirement. That's how we kind of, you know, do it with folks and they get a score from zero to hundred. And if you get a score of a hundred, there's a pretty good chance you'll be okay. And if you get a score of, you know, 20 or 30 or 80, you might have some more work to do. And so, you know, one of the big discussions we have is when people see their first success rate, you know, 72, 69, 84, 97, we ask them, how do you feel about it? And they say, how should we feel about it? Right. (laughs) Who who, who knows? Right. I mean, uh, if somebody got a, a score, of 81, I'd say, hey, if you were in school, that's a B plus. How do you feel about that? Well, it's my retirement. I don't feel well about that. Well, then maybe I guess we're going to have to try to get a higher score and do some things in your life. Yeah. So let's touch on that too. I think that's kind of an interesting discussion. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So you know, what, the way that I thought that I would start, and I hope this doesn't come off as uh, you know, come off as, as defensive here, but you know, I, I thought I'd you know, as as the financial planners, I thought we should at least go through the reasons, you know, at least go through some of the risks that we're trying to trying to mitigate as planners, and at least explain ourselves as far as maybe why we are being so conservative, right? I mean, I guess I you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm not taking a side that we are being that we are or not are not being too conservative, quote unquote, uh, with our clients. I think, you know, it, it's it's you know, most of our clients appreciate taking a conservative approach to retirement because uh, everyone everyone sort of understands that if you're too aggressive with your assumptions and they don't pan out that, you know, you can you can end yourself in uh, in some pretty substantial trouble. So um, I just wanted to go through some of the risks and, uh, and and at least talk about why we might do it, right? So, you know, the, the first thing that I'll talk about, you know, and I just wrote that these are in no particular order, and I can I can pop these up on our screen if you wanna uh, if you wanna take a look at them. Um, you know, the, the first one is an inflation risk, right? And so, you know, when we are talking about retirement. And you know, and and folks uh, going through retirement and 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 spending, we have to worry about the increasing of prices, right? So everyone sort of understands inflation, and what what most people I, I think maybe don't know is that uh, is is how big a bite inflation can take over. You know, let's say uh, let's say it's a thirty year time horizon, right? So you know, when when we are uh, when we're when we're doing the inflation input, we tend to use a three percent number, and it's on the high side of average, right? And I'm actually going to pull up while we while we chat here. I'm going to pull up. I have some historical data on the actual inflation rates going backwards, right? And and the hundred year 
average rate of inflation is 2.59%, right? So, you know, we have, we have a hundred years of data as far as, um, as far as United States spending goes and, you know, and, and the CPI, the consumer price index uh, has averaged 2.59% for the last hundred years from 1921 through 2020. All right. Um, more recent inflation, has been even lower. The 25-year number is about 2.15, and the 10-year number is 1.72%. And so, you know, when you take a look at the actual numbers, and I actually, I'm, I'm running a lot of this stuff live here. So, um, if I, if you take a look at what what actually happens over long periods of time, what you get is a very, very substantial increase, right? So, if I take someone who's spending $10,000 per month now and I, and I inflate it at, uh, and they retire at 65 and I inflate it. How, how many years is that by the way? 25 years. So, so 25 I mean, I'm just years. doing a 25 year, which, which is, you know, I think for us, it's a sort of a standard, relatively standard, or at least in the ballpark, right? Obviously every plan is customized, but a fairly average retirement quote unquote is I'm going to retire at 65. I'm going to die at 90. Okay. Right? And so someone yeah. who started out with a, with a $10,000 a month, um, you know, lifestyle expense, which I have here in my software, uh, the ending, the, you know, the final, the 25th year spending is $266,000, right? So you went from 120 and you've more than doubled your expenses uh, over the period of, of, of just 25 years, right? And so, and, and the, the issue gets even more difficult the longer you go out. I don't know, I don't know how many numbers you want me to throw out, but I certainly can change these. But um, if I change that instead to 4%, let me just run another quick calculation here. Oh, and they're not that quick, are they? Uh, if I run a 4% number, and again, it's the same 65-year-old who, who passes away at age 90. The number is, uh, the final expense number is $364,000. So it's, uh, I'm sorry, 346000 So almost triple the original expense number over just four, uh, I'm sorry, over just 20, uh, 25 years, which I mean, yeah. that, that's a... That's a bad number. I mean, obviously, people think, well, I'm not going to do as much traveling as I get older and all that. But but the point is that your expenses are going to grow. And by the way, some of your expenses may grow more than others. And, and it, it, it's an issue. You know, if, if conceptually, I mean, we can this is great to do the example. Conceptually, if you retire at age 80, you don't have to worry too much about inflation, you know, because you right. probably only have eight or 10 or 12 years. If you retire at age 55, that's a pretty tall order. You better get it right because 35 or 40 years of inflation, if you got it wrong at age 55, could be, you know, pr pretty darn scary given the circumstances. So what do you got? You got another number there you want to share, my son? Or no, I think I think that's you know, that's probably yeah. and you know what, you know, the one maybe I will do one more just to yeah. just to sort of explain uh, what differences can do, right? I mean, because when, when we use long-term averages, you know, the 100-year long-term average is, you know, I would say it's a helpful number, but it, you know, you certainly 
uh, if you take a look at the actual year by year data, there are plenty of periods of time of, you know, 20, 25, 30 years where average inflation certainly was up on the higher side, right? It, you know, it was in the three, four, five percent range. Um, and so, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So we're, we're looking at that and saying, oh, hey, I mean, I, I know inflation has been in check recently, but what happens if we get higher, you know, higher than we were expecting? You know, that's something that we have to worry about. And so, you know, as planners, we tend to go on the upside of that one. Yeah. And and by the way, folks, if, if you're retired, let me give you like kind of a real world example about how it works. You know, um, when we have plans for people, we figure out how much money they're going to need per year. Uh, and we kind of set, you know, they get their social security and we, we send them some money from their retirement plans and it's all just hunky dory. Well, well, probably every two, every two or three years, people say, well, I need more money. You know, so, it, so it's kind of sneaky, right, Justin? It doesn't, we don't adjust everybody's expenses right. by inflation every year. We kind of wait for them to call, but they call given the circumstances. So in the real world, every year or two or three, a client will call up and say a little bit more money. Just works. So we, this is real folks. It, it's, it's a real, ex- especially if you're in retirement uh, and you're still having enough health to have fun and do things sort of a thing, but, but it, it is an issue when you, you do have to think about it. That that's all yeah. there's to it. Yeah. yeah. And, and now, you know, and, and I think we'll, we'll get to specific spending, right? So we're, we're just um, th- these examples that I'm going to throw out and I just want to throw out one of the other side, yeah. um, if you had 2% inflation over 25 years on a $120,000 um, annual expense number, you, you only hit $205,000 at the end of that 25 years. So it's, you know, a, a huge difference between yeah. a 4% and a 2%. And, um, you know, so it's just a, it's, it's very substantial. And it's something if you if you miss on that assumption, uh, a lot of a lot of other stuff can go wrong. So I just wanted to kind of illustrate the uh, the magnitude of that. Of yeah, that. We'll, and we'll get to the specifics. But yeah. some of your expenses may go away, some may get added, some may inflate at a different rate than others. So it's all kind of yep. a big jumble there, folks. And we'll touch on that in a while here, I presume. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Let me go through, uh, you know, risk number two that I think us, us planners are worrying about and, you know, kind of reason, reason number two why we are on the conservative side is, you know, rate of return risk, right? I mean, if, if you look, I'll use us as an example, which I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure we've, you know, the listeners have probably heard us say this a million times, but when we're projecting rates of return, what we do is we, you know, we'll go on the you know the, the the lower side of our historical averages right i mean if you look way back in history at you know returns on stocks and bonds and and on the domestic side um you can get a you know if you use that historical average you can get a fairly a fairly good number um as far as annual rates of return go with a relatively conservative portfolio right i mean if you if you were expecting a five percent bond return and a ten percent stock market return even when you even when you balance uh those two in in a relatively conservative mixture of 50 50 or 60 40 or 40 60 you're still getting you know a a pretty good return up in maybe the seven or eight percent range and um you know we that would that would be great. Our our assumptions are pretty substantially lower than that, and again, the reason is because you know th- there's a bunch of them. A you know the the world is always changing, right? You know the 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 rate of return environment that you particularly are going to have does not necessarily meet the long-term average, right? I mean, when you look at very, very long-term averages, they're, you know, again, I think they're useful, but similar with inflation, there's, you know, there's no guarantee that your particular 30 years 
are going to be anything like those averages. And so, you know, we, we as planners uh, need to worry about that. And, and what if you get a low return environment versus uh, versus the average? So that, that's just another um, reason that we worry. Also, you know, we also you can take a look at sort of uh, the the U.S. versus the rest of the world, um, and and I'm not entirely sure that American exceptionalism, as far as you know, stock markets and rates of return are going to continue. Right? I mean, you know, there are lots of other developed countries that have not seen the returns that the U.S. has. Again, hope you know, as a as a resident here, I hope it all continues, and we continue to do you know sort of particularly well. Uh, but I'm not sure that it's justified for us to just assume that you know our stock markets are going to continue to beat the rest of the world's markets forever. Yeah, I mean, uh, f- folks, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to this maybe a little bit more detail. But you know, folks, we, you have to have some assumptions about what stocks are going to earn and what bonds are going to earn, uh, and then you have to figure out well, but what percentage of each am I going to own? And uh, as as a quick example, uh, you know, w- we think uh, that that stocks will hope hopefully earn from seven to nine percent per year. Well, okay, so let's say they're seven to be conservative. Is that okay, Justin? Yeah. Okay. And then let's assume that we're gonna you know, we, we would guess that bonds might earn a couple of percent per year for the next five or ten years, given a whole bunch of things. So so if you assume conservatively that bonds are in two, and if you assume conservatively that stocks are in seven, if you have a sixty percent stock and a 40% bond portfolio, that's a 5% return. So just so kind of folks can kind of get some, you can do your own guesses about this folks. So, you know, I mean, in terms of how much you think things are going to earn and how things are going to be. Justin, I hope that sound isn't coming in the background there. I have a guy with a weed whacker in the backyard and I can't do anything <laughs> about that. So I hope, I hope he can't be heard on the radio here, but we'll find out in a little while. I anyway. I got a barking dog outside my house too. So okay. I think people are probably used to it by this point, you know? Yeah, I guess so. But anyway, so yeah, so we can kind of touch on some scenarios, but you know, uh, it, it's, it's just math. You know, we, we, we estimate, you know, our guess for our 60% stock and bond portfolio, 60, 40 is somewhere between five and seven. Okay. We'll see how that goes sort of a thing, but you know, people have to have some assumptions about what they're going to earn yeah. and hopefully, and hopefully what they're going to earn is what they need to earn. Uh, to go forward. So we'll, we'll see about that too, I guess. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I want to, uh, let's see, I'm just checking our time here before the break, but yeah. So, so we do, um, I'm going to, I'm going to probably circle back to some more investment stuff here after the break, but you know, I'll, I'll jump to another risk here. And I, I think that's, you know, tax rate risk is something that, you know, that we also have to worry about, right? So, you know, the, the average software that you're running this information through is just, it's just working off of the assumption that, you know, tax rates are going to be the same into the future, right? You know, you, you, you would be silly to try to, to try to code in tax rate changes uh, into a financial planning software. And so what, you know, generally what they do is they just take the current rates and they forecast them forward. But, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, a pretty substantial risk to that, especially for, for those of you who are retiring into the higher income brackets, right? I mean, if you, if you take a look at uh, someone who's married filing jointly, uh, taxable income over $80,000 is, is uh, you know, the 22% tax bracket. That's a fair, you know, that's maybe a fairly common uh, tax bracket for, for higher income, uh, say, you know, for higher income retirees to be in because they may be pulling a bunch of money out of their out of their retirement plans and IRAs and 401ks that are that are fully taxable. Um, you know, you know, we have no 
idea what tax rates will be in the future. And, you know, for all we know, the $80,000, you know, the $80,000 threshold with a 22% tax rate could be, you know, it could be 32% five or 10 years from now. And then all of a sudden, if you're taking distributions of $100,000, you, you know, you lost 10 grand a year to taxes that you didn't forecast. So, you know, that's, you know, know, another unknown is, all right, well, hey, I, I, I think these tax rates are, are, you know, they're accurate as of now, but what happens if we get, you know, sort of substantial tax increases in the future? I know, I know they're already, you know, talking about tax increases, mostly to, to higher income folks, but, um, at this point, we, we really don't know what's going to happen. And, and, you know, our situation, because because retirements can be so long, you really have to kind of worry about this stuff, uh, you know, sort of well in advance. You okay with that? I, I am. I am. And, uh, yep, taxes are a biggie. There's no question. They also apply in kind of what choice of retirement plans you use before you retire. And uh, sure. Uh, so, yep. But, uh, you know, I, I, I guess my take on taxes is we can only use what there is. I mean, we could model higher tax brackets for people, but, you know, until they actually change it, you, there's not much you can do. Just we just got about a couple of minutes here, but just a, a real big picture thing. And people are probably starting to think, whoa, whoa, there's a lot of moving pieces here and you yeah. got to make a, you got to make a whole lot of guesses and, and, and folks you, you do okay there, there's a whole bunch of assumptions that you have to make about your life and your circumstances in retirement and there's a, a bunch of assumptions that we financial advisors have to make about what you might be able to earn and a bunch of other things uh and you know those are all guesses I, you know professionally speaking the word assumption sounds sounds pretty good but <laughs> we, we, we're all guessing okay instead of being certified financial planners justin i've said this before we should be called certified financial guessers, but that probably wouldn't fly too well in the marketing literature, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, but anyway, folks, yes, it's a, it's a series of guesses about the future. And the thing that I'll probably mention two or three more times the next hour and a half or so is that that you don't just create a plan and leave it alone. Anytime something changes in your life or sometimes something changes in the tax structure might be a really good idea to kind of revisit it. So, so yeah, if you make a bunch of guesses 20 years away, well, 15 years from away now, they're a little closer and yada, yada. So this is a, an ongoing process. It's ongoing guesswork, but it sure as heck beats winging it as far as I'm concerned. So Josh, we got about maybe 30, 35 seconds. You want to do any summary comments here before we break? No. Yeah. A, a few more, yeah. you know, I want to touch on a few more risks here uh, as we, you know, w- once we come back from the break, um, you know, in the meantime, again, I, I did mention we are, we are pre-recording, but if you have any questions uh, you can always, um, you can always give us a ring uh, at the, at the, uh, at the office line, or if you want to shoot us an email, it's probably easier. It's just questions at McNamara on Again, that's questions at McNamara on And I think that it just about brings us up to the break. Uh, So we will sign off now and we will be back shortly. And we are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. Uh, we're pre-recording today. Uh, the real me is it's soccer season and Coach Justin is in a, is on the field. So uh, we are pre-recording the show, probably this one and, and maybe a few more, depending on how my, my soccer schedule shakes out, Dad. So you'll you'll just have to you'll have to bear with me with pre-recorded and, and Saturdays off for a little while if you if you don't mind. 
Well, you know, you're just getting even for me not being your soccer coach when you were growing <laughs> up and doing the radio on Saturday morning. So I guess that's a payback. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I can tell you, it is a uh, it's a time suck. I can understand why. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just, I should say I'm just assistant coach, uh, Justin. You know, Doug, uh, uh, head coach Dave has uh, has most of the responsibility too. So, but anyway, which 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 soccer player are we talking about in the family? Charlotte. So I'm Charlotte. Yeah, I I would. I would head coach um, in the past with uh, with Rosie and Cam, but uh, Charlotte's in fourth grade now, and and not having ever played soccer, I don't feel quite as comfortable uh, head coach. Yeah, th- in, there you go. There you once go. they get once they get older, you're actually supposed to supposed to know stuff about the sport. So, well, if. Uh... By the way, if Charlotte thinks you made a mistake, she'll be happy to tell you about it anyway, Justin. So no oh, worries. Yes, no, that she will. That's not not an issue for her. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get back to it again. We're we're doing uh, our we're finishing up our planning through the ages series, and we're gonna we're gonna focus on uh, you know an, an early retiree, a pre-retiree here, but uh, we're gonna focus you know we're gonna focus in today on the assumptions that you make uh, with with a with a focus on whether or not those uh, those assumptions are too conservative right you know this is just sort of a you know comes out of the planning industry and and uh planners like us being on the conservative side which again i think is a good thing but i i think the point that i i want people to take away is that not everyone necessarily has to agree right i mean it it is your money and uh you don't necessarily have to listen to a financial planner who's saying oh we're going to assume a you know a four percent rate of return and four percent inflation and we're going to assume that you know you, you 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 never cut back on your spending and you know you you're uh, you know you travel uh, into your late nineties and, and never slow down, right? I'm I'm not sure that you know you, you as a uh, as the planner we can we certainly do make recommendations, but I think uh, as the the listening public as the client, uh, I think you want to just make sure that you know you take everything with a grain of salt and and uh, make sure it's all individualized to you uh, because uh, you know it is your life and your money at the end of the day, right? Yeah, and you have to be comfortable with whatever guesstimates, okay, that your planner comes up with, okay, and and you have to question them and understand them if you don't like them, whatever that you we're playing. This is your life when we do a financial plan for folks and you've got to participate we'll, we'll give you our best guesses about what we think but if you have a strong feeling one way or another we'll use your numbers because this is your life that's how it is sort of a thing okay, okay. yeah yep, good, good point all right. Uh, so, yeah, one of the ones I wanted to spend a little bit more time on, which I deferred until after the break, um, you know, it, it was sort of it was under uh, investment risk. And, uh, you know, it's, it's specifically rate of return risk, right? So e- even when you get a good, quote unquote, average rate of return. Or how about the return that you need? How's that sound on a plan? Or the, or the return. That's right. Yeah. Even yeah, if but- it's the return that you need, <laughs> okay. you don't necessarily get that return in an order which is helpful to you, right? So, you know, I, I was, you know, again, I, I mentioned earlier in the show, I've been, I've been taking some, you know, continuing education webinars and, you know, one of the examples uh, stuck out as, as, as very, very informative. And so I'm just going to run through the example just to illustrate again, you know, why I think, you know, we, we as a planning profession are being so conservative, right? And, you know, the, the example is um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a let's see it's a it's a spending period of oh, hold on do i even have, hopefully i have it here yeah so 
it's a rate of return environment from uh, 1969 to 1999. Okay. Okay. And, and uh, you know, it was a, it was a, absolutely wonderful uh time at least from a long-term average point of view right stocks earn. Anyway, it was terrible in the 70s but it got a lot better <laughs> after that you're, you're, you're jumping ahead yeah oh i'm sorry keep <laughs> yeah. keep going what are you talking about is a wonderful time starting in 1969 forget it okay anyway so from keep 1969 going. <laughs> to 1999 yeah the s p 500 earned an average of 13.39 percent yeah, and I'll right. just as an add-on, I'll say, and it was a very painful first seven years. Yeah, if you were doing that, folks, very, it, very painful. Hey, you're okay. giving away the ending here. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, and also during that kind, of, during that time, bonds did fairly, you know, at least relative to today's environment, um, the five-year Treasury over that time frame earned eight point six two percent. All right, so we're talking about, you know, pretty spectacular. Did you want to tell folks what the five-year treasury is earning these today? <laughs> I don't I don't know it. I'm going to guess it's probably in the in, – oh. The 10-year treasury is 0.8. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Think about that. I think the five-year treasury – I don't even know anymore. Yeah. But they don't, it, the, it's, it's less than one, folks. Okay. Yeah, anyway. I, I was a bit surprised to see the five in here, but hey, that's that's yeah. this is you know it wasn't my example, so I'm I, yep. I got to go yep. with what I uh, with what I, I get, have. I get it. And so, you know what what you had was, um, what you had was a a market where you where a sixty forty portfolio, so a balanced portfolio, returned eleven point four eight percent per year. The good old days, huh? Right. So, I mean, you, you had this, you had a, you know, a spectacularly wonderful rate of return environment. And, you know, the, the issue was, right. So if you, and if you went through and you calculated the actual rate of return that you, you know, sort of the, the safe rate of return that you could take off of that, it was like a return of like 7.4% per year. Right. So if you wow. just use those average numbers and you said, well, Hey, I'm going to get, I'm going to get an 11% rate of return. Actually, no, it was, it was an even higher number. Um, your, the rate of return where that you, you know, if you just use the averages, you would, oh, my phone, look at that. That's what I get for recording on a, for recording on a weekday. Anyways, if you just yeah. use the averages, you could take out, you know, a very spectacularly high rate of return, even if you're inflating your expenses, right? So it was like a seven, you could take out 7% of your money per year if you just use those average numbers. And then you, then you inflation adjust those distributions every year, right? So you start off with, you know, if, if you had a million dollars portfolio, you could take out 70 grand a year and then you could inflate it for inflation every year. And, you know, in that case, this, in, the inflation was fairly high. So it was, it was 5.33%, but, but still the math said you could take out about that 7% per year based again, based on the averages. And, you know, to your point, what you mentioned earlier is the, the issue with that was, well, that sounds great, except the actual you know, the actual sequence of returns and when you got the good returns really, really mattered a lot, right? So what happened in the 1970s, I mean, you, you could give the history lesson better than, you know, better than I could having been alive at that time. Um, the, you know, basically most of the decade of the 70s was, was pretty lousy, right? And Energy so, crisis and high inflation. Right. 
and so what you and and so you, you had to go through that and, and if you get a, if you get a lousy first decade and then you know and then the 80s and 90s are fairly terrific well that's you know that's that doesn't really help you very much as a retiree. And what happened was, and, you know, in, in sort of real terms, if we use that example, you would have been out of money if you if you'd retired at um, you know at, at age sixty five, you would have been out of money in twelve years. I'm sorry, no, this was a this was an age sixty retirement. You would have been out of money in twelve years at seventy two. Right. And even yeah. though you even though you would have ran the math, right, you, you had a you had perfect insight into what rates of return return are going to be over your 30 year retirement time frame. Right. So your, your advisor who, you know, in this case will be us, you know, we we got it exactly right. Right. We we guessed the rate of return perfectly down to the decimal point. We then guessed the inflation rate perfectly down to the decimal point, And we built a portfolio that was quote unquote sustainable based on those averages. But the problem was you got lousy rates of return early and you were out of money in 12 years, which, is, which it, doesn't, it doesn't seem possible. But you know the reality is, is that you walk right into lousy markets, right? With the, the first big bear market was what, 19, it was 1973. And your money goes, you know, it money drops and it doesn't recover. And yeah, sure, the last, uh, the last 20 years, or 18 years of that retirement, the markets are great, but it doesn't matter very much to you if you don't have any money. Yeah, I mean, a, a simplistic, you know, if you start off and your portfolio loses 10% a year for the first five years, you just might be in trouble in retirement. I mean, right. that's, a, that's an extreme example, but, yeah. but not yeah, not uncommon. So so the, the, the point is that, it's that how you get those returns is the point, correct, my son? Or when exactly. They come? Yeah, when they come. Exactly. And, yeah. and you know, the, the, the interesting thing was, right, so, so in, in that example – Right. If you if you take if you take the 1969 to 1999 rates of return, and you you know sort of you take the averages and you run your your you know the 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 maximum safe withdrawal based on you know just the average, and then you start in 1969 uh, and and take those distributions, you're out of money in 12 years. If you if you actually ran the the whole scenario in reverse. Right. So scenario one, you're out of money in 12 years, you hit zero. Um, scenario two, if you're starting with, uh, I think we started with a $2 million portfolio. I said a million earlier, but, but it's actually a two, it's 2 million on this chart. Yep. Um, if you run this scenario in reverse, what you do, uh, you end with uh, a portfolio of $9 million, right? So you got the exact same Return. Annual returns, yeah. same inflation. Yeah. You just got them in exactly the opposite order, right? So you're you're going backwards in time from 1999 to 1969, and instead of being out of money in 12 years, what happened was, uh, you know, you you ended with nine million dollars. You you know you you more than quadrupled your uh, your investment while at the same time taking out you know a, a, you know a, a large chunk for your expenses. All right, it's just, yeah yeah. Another way to say that, and let's you know right now people listening to us, they would probably think that 7% a year was a great return, at least given what's going on in the world for the last few years. So, so by the way, the, so here it is, folks, you can go broke or become a millionaire earning 7%. It, it depends on yeah. when you're taking money out and how your returns come. I mean, and the easiest way to describe it is 
would you rather retire and lose 10% a year for the first seven years in retirement? Or would you rather retire and earn 14% a year for the first seven years in retirement? Who do you think makes out better? And that, that's just like an extreme example of what we're talking about. Okay. So the, the point is that when you get returns, okay, earlier in retirement or later in retirement can have a profound effect on retirement, which is why we have software that makes some guesses about that correctly correct my son you got it yeah okay okay but by, uh, by the way as a sidebar i can clearly remember you said the average about 11 or 12 percent return for 60 40 right and that 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 whole period of time yep yeah uh i can clearly remember from 95 to 99 when the standard and poor's 500 was going bonkers and everybody in the world thought they were entitled to a 25% return per year for about 5 years i can i can remember a number of folks not a lot unhappy with the 11 or 12 or 13% return and and want you know and uh, leaving McNamara financial to go to go for 25 you know because that's what the stock market was doing that's just an aside right just that's hilarious when i think about what the world is like now and what the returns are now compared to then it's just unbelievable yep. just unbelievable yeah okay. no. yeah I, I have you know i i just you know briefly i think i have another uh example just to just to drive it home it's it's from the same presentation right so let's let's take another portfolio where our average return Returns are ten percent per year, um, and you know, we'll, you know, we use scenario one where we just get our ten percent literally every year, right? If you if you take that over a thirty year time period, uh, you, you know, it ends out that you can take inflation adjusted distributions of about you know of, of six some percent, right? It's like six, maybe not quite six and a half percent, but the math says that. That's what you can take out if you're gonna if you're gonna get 10% every year because you got to inflation adjust those um, those spending uh, each and every year so you ratchet up your spending and you know just based on pure averages you can take out about 6.3%. Uh, and you'd still have the same amount of money left at, and at the end, basically, right? And that, that would drive, that would bring yeah. you down to zero, right? Oh, so we'll do, would, do it, okay. Yeah, so that's Good. 30 years bringing you down to zero. Again, that's, I mean, you know, that's certainly a heck of a lot more than, you know, we tell the average client that they can take out of a portfolio, right? You know, you, you don't usually hear an advisor say, hey, yeah, you can take out about 6% of your portfolio. And, unless yeah, no worries. <laughs> certainly not if you're, you know, in your 60s, right? You know, if, yeah. if, you're, if you're in your 80s and it's a different story, but we're talking about, you know, we're forecasting 30 year retirements in these examples. So, you know, for a 30 year retirement, if you're going to get 10 a year, you can take out, you know, over 6% per year to start, and then you can crank it up by inflation every year. Well, the, you know, the example that it showed here is if all you do, if you run two separate scenarios and in the first one, all you do is you zero out your first two years. Yeah. Right. So you just say, instead of earning 10 in those first two years, uh, and we earn 20% in the last two years, right? So you just, you know, you subtract 10 from the first two and you add it to the back two. Same average, right? Same, yep, yep. Exactly, exactly the same average, but instead of making it to 90, you only make it to 84. Yeah, wow. Right. Okay. So you, yep. so you, you know, you cut just by, just with two different returns in two different years, that's what happens is you're, you know, you're, you're out of bullets um, in 24 years as opposed to making it 30. And, and of course, you know, this, you know, this is coming. If you do the opposite, right, where you, you know, you had originally planned, you take those same distributions, but instead you get 20% per year in the first two years yep. and you get zero in the last two. 
you end instead of with zero and you know you 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 end with uh with a million dollars which is almost exactly what what you you know what you started with right you you start with a million you end with just over a million and again all that what you know the difference between leaving a million dollars to your heirs and having run out of money six years before you died was just purely two different rates of return, right? And it just, you know, because, you know, we say sequence of returns because it matters when you get those returns. If you get good returns early on, things tend to work out better. If you get lousy returns later on, things tend to work out worse. Justin, can you take a a few moments and talk about the Monte Carlo analysis so people can kind of understand how how to deal with this and that score? And then I have a couple of comments when you finish up on that. Would that be okay? Sure. Important stuff. Yeah, I'm sure I'll I'll do it briefly because I know know we've talked about it probably in each of of our last few shows but well we, yeah, so, we you talk to every show on the planning no questions okay <laughs> we'll beat monty to co- beat monty to death beat um, him to death yeah so yeah again the monty car you know the sequence of returned <laughs> risk is really um really sort of gave rise to the birth of monte carlo which is just a it's a scenario analysis that 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 randomizes returns based on the inputs that you give it right so you you know you you're going to give the software a rate of an average rate of return number and then a volatility number around that average and then you know at the end of this at the end of the session generally speaking we we ask the monte carlo to run you know a randomized sample of 500 or or a thousand different scenarios and what it does is it gives you, you know, it gives you, let's say, a thousand different market scenarios, and it allows you to, you know, and it calculates success and failure. Right? Success is if you have money left over when you die, and failure is if you run out of money before you die. Uh, it calculates, uh, you know, all the successes and all the failures, and it gives you a percentage. Right? So it's, you know, that, that's when you get to your ninety-five percent chance of success, or in your eighty-five, and your, and your forty-five, if things aren't looking as, uh, as good as hope as you thought they, as you thought they might. It's like shuffling a deck of cards, basically, folks. Well, yeah. So, so if if you get a 90% score, would you translate that, please, Justin? Just in 90% of the scenarios, you had money left when you were scheduled to die. So how do you feel about a 90% score? I don't know. It depends on the yeah. people sit, sitting there, obviously. Okay. So, so and your age and the circumstances. Yeah. yeah. And how much flexibility yeah. you have built into the plan. Yeah. And if somebody gets an 80% score, how do you feel about that? Well, I'd love a hundred, but I'd go to the racetrack if I could, you know, had 80%. I mean, it really depends on people and circumstances. By the way, I had a couple other things that relate to the Monte Carlos sort of, so just bear with me, my son. Yeah. Okay. So, so when, when, um, when people, uh, first of all, when we do the Monte Carlos for folks, okay, a very large percentage of the Monte Carlos end up that people have to eat into their investment principal and that their investment capital is shrinking over a period of time. We, we you know, we may get a, a 90, a, a, an 85% success rate in a Monte Carlo, but somebody's assets may shrink by 50% in retirement to get there. So the, the point I want to make is that most folks we work with, and we work with a lot of motiv- motivated folks, but most folks w- w- that we work with are eating into their investment capital 
in retirement. And that's a whole separate discussion that nobody's ever used to. Right, my son, about how that works. So, so yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, so the bottom line is that you, you could get a 90% success rate, but if you start in retirement with a million and died at age 90 with 500,000, that's, that's a success. Well, the equity that you've earned in retirement, that's your money and you can hopefully spend it or, 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 or said differently. Uh, and this is just when we come back to the investment returns, which we might a little later on. So Justin, if, if we have a 5% return, from our 60-40 portfolio, okay, yep. what what percentage of that 5% is actually income or dividends, and what percentage of that 5% is actually growth of the portfolio? Are you talking about actual portfolios right now? or, or Yeah, well, yeah. actual portfolios right now, return. What, what, of a, that, about 2% of the 5 is income and 3% is growth. Is that a, that a fair I would number? Say it's, yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, I, I would yeah, say it's, okay. it's a relatively fair average. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, it depends on the portfolio and, and, you know, you may be customizing for dividends and for income. Uh, but if you're, if you're not, if you're just using sort of a standard investment that wasn't pre-selected to have a higher yield, uh, yeah, I'd say it's about a 2% dividend, maybe two, two and a half percent in that ballpark. Yeah. Okay. And and the point I'm trying to make is that, so folks, when you're talking about that 5% return, it's not all guaranteed income and dividends coming from, from your stocks. You, you have to have some growth in your stocks to be okay in your retirement. So, so or said differently, uh, people just can't live off dividends and interest in their portfolio. Or most can't because they come to two or two and a half percent, you know, per year. So if you if you don't you know, if you don't want to take any risk and own any stocks in your portfolio, right now your income is two two and a half percent. And, and most folks we know can't live on that. You need more than that. So, that, so the other thing people need to kind of get their arms around is that they're going to be spending income and growth from their investments over a period of time. Yeah. And that's, that's just a mental adjustment a whole lot of people have to make because, you know, we weren't brought up that way, if you know what I mean. So yeah. just, just a real life sidebar, I guess, best way to say that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Let me, let's, uh, you know, before I think probably next segment we will run into and, and start actually running some scenarios here and, and making some changes just to, uh, you know, to kind of take a look at some of the real world ramifications of this stuff, but you know, a okay. few more things, um, uh, longevity risk is something that we worry about, right? I mean, if you take a look at the action, you know, I, I, I was able to find CDC information from 20, uh, from 2019, um, a 65 year old male, uh, life expectancy. You have a guess? You're always quizzing me. You know, uh, a 65 year old male, 81, uh, 83, right? So an okay. is an 18.1 uh, year life expectancy. Yep. Uh, whereas a 65 year old female, it's at 20.7. So right, if you're if you're a 65 year old man, you are you know the average life expectancy is about 83, uh, and for a female, it's about 86, right? So again, that, that's just something that we point out where. You know, if, if you were, if you happen to know that information, and you and you were talking to your planner, you might, you know, you might say, "Hey, well, why, why am I living? You know, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm a male here, and maybe I'm not in great health. Why are we assuming that I'm going to live to age 90? You know, when my when my real life expectancy is is more than likely shorter than that, and you know, say, you know, females not, you know, not maybe not quite as bad because they they have you know two two and a half three years more life expectancy, but um, 
that's just something that you want to that you want to look at. Again, we we tend to want to go. We tend to want to err on the side of caution, just because if you end up, you know, if you plan to eighty five and live to ninety five, it can be a pretty substantial, um, substantially different result when you when you start looking at planning results like Monte Carlo. Um, I, I think it's fairly self explanatory. I don't know if you want me to spend much time on it. Nah, nah. You you might get to meet your kids all over again in later life, and not on not by planning, as a matter of fact. But yeah, that that's the that's the flip side of that sort of a thing. So you know, as financial planners, if we knew exactly when both both people in a couple were going to die, we'd look really smart, okay, in terms of how that, but, but you know, how, how long they're going to live is probably the biggest assumption we make, I would guess, in the planning process, would you think? Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, is. and, and yeah. we can talk about, you know, so, you know, th there are certainly strategies to protect against longevity, and we can, you know, we, we can get into some of those later on. Um, but yeah, I thought I, I would just mention that is that, you know, generally speaking, you do get uh, you know, most planners, you know, some, you know, again, I mentioned some earlier in the show, you, you'll, I'll often read publications where the, where the planning age is 95 or hundred, which is certainly on the high side, statistically, very few people actually make it to that age. But again, that's a personal choice. If you, you know, you know, if you want to plan that long, just in case, or if you have longevity in your family that you feel like you may need to, um, that's something that you yeah, yeah. said differently. If you're sure you're going to die at 82 and 85 and you plan that <laughs> way and you're wrong, that's seriously, I mean, so you gotta, uh, you gotta allow a buffer, I think to some extent. And you know, the bad news is if it's too much of a buffer, you could have had more fun in life before you died, but that it's an unknown. Uh, okay. It's just absolutely an unknown folks. So. Yep. Yeah. And, and so again, I, I think um, when I, when I put all this together, uh, I think that, you know, we, you know, there's also, we need to think as planners about, uh, you know, what, what I'll call career risk, right? I mean, there's a, you know, there, I think they're in the back of every planner's mind. There is a, uh, oh my God, what happens if I, you know, if we spend all this time, we do all this work and it turns out, you know, one of our assumptions was wrong. And, you know, I have a client that, you know, that outlives their money. Um, you know, A, it could be bad for business and B, it could just be, you know, sort of a, you know, a, a kind of a devastating emotional type of a, you know, type of a situation for a planner. And I think, you know, a lot of us as planners think about that and worry about that. And, and, you know, you know, does that lead to uh, overly conservative assumptions? You know, again, I, I don't know that it's not an easy answer, but I think it's something that we should at least talk about and people should, should keep in mind, right. The, the consequences of outliving your money, you know, you as the client, you, you may be okay with it, right? You may just say, Hey, you know what, if I run out of money and I have to live on my social security, it's not the end of the world. I want to enjoy my life while I'm healthy. Right. I, I think, uh, most planners would probably wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to use that sentence so easily. Yeah. I, I, I would not, not disagree about how that works. It, it's, you know, it, it's a, the whole process, you got to spend some time and you got to keep going with it and keep updating as you go along, because that's just the, the way it is given the circumstances, folks. So, yeah. um, okay. So, so just a little hint. So what are we going to do next half an hour? We got about a minute and a half here. So I just want to just check our couple. Yeah. So next half an hour, I think, you know, we've gone through and we've discussed all these, um, all these risks. I thought we would actually get into our planning software and we can start to run, you know, maybe we could start to run actual averages, you know, on for our various inputs, our various assumptions. And then we can, you know, uh, and then we can also run the conservative assumption and just, you know, just sort of take a look at, you know, what it actually means, right? You know, what, yeah. what does it mean that we plan to age 95 versus actual life expectancy? 
expectancy uh, as far as maybe when you could retire or how much you could spend in retirement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. We, uh, we're, I think we're almost on time here, Josh. What do you think? Yeah. For once, it, it does look like we're on time. I, w- I will shoot out. Uh, again, we're pre-recording today. If you have any questions, uh, please, uh, you know, shoot us an email. Uh, you know, it's questions at McNamara, uh, questions at McNamaraonmoney.com. Uh, and we do check that regularly and get back to folks. So uh, any, you know, questions on this or really anything, you can let us know. And we will be right back. <laughs> 